Welcome to the Fan Engagement Chat, the episode of the Fan Engagement Pod where we hear about someone's approach to fan engagement. This episode takes a look at the fastest risers in the Fan Engagement Index for 2019-2020 season, Bristol Rovers, in a chat with Commercial Director Tom Gorringe, who you can also hear in Episode 5, by the way. He comes with a richly deserved reputation for being one of the most effective at fan engagement in the game. I think it's that he's got an attitude of getting things done, tackling what you can, when you can, but of always communicating, listening and building trust. Credit must also be paid to CEO Martin Starnes and President and owner Wael Al-Qadi for embracing the right approach to engagement and continuing continuing to invest time and resources. Although their position in the table was for 2019-2020 season, anecdotally speaking, it's clear that the approach has continued during a very difficult period on the pitch this season, 2020-2021. Quite a mouthful. What is also clear from those doing well in the index overall, whether it's Rovers, Index winners, Exeter, FA Cup winners, Leicester City, and others who do engagement well in general, it's about Fan engagement is a good in itself, not simply to drive commercial income or to sell more tickets. Don't forget you can find out how your club did at fanengagement.net where you can also register to access the Fan Engagement Hub where you can find more detailed data and case studies from the 2019-2020 Index. Enjoy the show. This stuff is the future. This stuff is the future. This stuff is the future. You take a lot of it for granted when you're doing it, don't you? Well, so Tom, yeah, this I've started recording, and that was a good phrase to start with. You take a lot of it for granted, and one of the things that um, one of the things that I think the good the good clubs have done a lot over the years is they just kind of get on with it really and um uh, um and um what i suppose one of the one of the things that's important for what i do for what think fun engagement is trying to do in a fun engagement index is to try to profile the clubs that are doing it well and, and, and doing it consistently as well um but bristol rovers um were didn't perform very well the first year but the second year all of a sudden you're the most you're the you put on more points than anyone else um you could climb more places in the table but importantly i mean you know the index itself in the end is a snapshot can't tell you the whole story it's not possible because you know numbers don't tell you everything but it's a damn good indication about what um what bristol rovers have done what the uh, what the ownership group the ownership has done but you particularly what you have done because you, you this is something that you kind of you know you've got a reputation for in every club you've worked in in Portsmouth Cardiff um Brighton your own club as well obviously the club you support but you work there for a period and and now Bristol Rovers so is there a sort can you give us a kind of helicopter view of I mean how you did it I'm it's a lot of hard work but what what is it? Because I remember when we spoke, when we started speaking yonks ago, um, a couple of years ago, you said we, we were talking about a sort of, if I can put it in this in this way, a culture of just getting on with it. Is that is that is it kind of like tackle? You know, do you do? Because sometimes when you, I bet when you kind of turned up at somewhere like Bristol Rovers and things were complicated, there wasn't 
everything wasn't working as it should be necessarily and it's no slur on anyone it just wasn't the relationships weren't great um how do you tackle all of that because you also had a lot of infrastructure stuff to deal with as well and you've got all this stuff going on so what is it you how do you approach how did you approach the situation of bristol rose over a two or three you know two or three years and then particularly in the last year and a half or so where you've say rocketed up the table from the previous year in the yeah, I, mean, I, I think the um the core focus throughout the club has been continual improvement. So we've looked to try and improve every area of the club every season, um, which obviously has, has its own challenges as you go through and, and certain parts will progress at different pace to, to other areas of the club. Um, but ultimately, we wanted to make improvements in every area of the club continually year on year, um, which is no mean feat. Uh, like you said, there's... There's challenges in that. There was infrastructure challenges. There was resource challenges. There was uh, investment challenges. There was lots of things to overcome in order to do the right things. And and ultimately, it takes time. Um, like I said, I've been at the club for three and a half years now, um, which has gone really, really fast. Yeah. Um, but we've we made a lot of changes in that time to to all aspects i mean we've we've made infrastructure changes to to the stadium we've improved the size of the bars we've uh, renovated the shop we've bought in a big screen uh, there's lots of instances like that all, all of which have been following fan feedback and a lot of that process started pretty much as soon as we came in the door we started gathering that feedback and ultimately it, it generally takes a few years to start to to action all those things um obviously we've, we've built a training ground in the past year as well which has been a huge project in itself um but yeah i mean in in terms of a starting point the first was to to listen really um and try and gather all all of that that data and that information and that feedback and then ultimately to action on it whether it's a small thing that's relatively an easy easy fix um or whether it's a bigger project like renovating the bars which uh, was, was obviously a huge one that we did relatively early doors um, and then ultimately I think the biggest that that kind of feedback and that process took place um, or started right at the beginning um, but what we've seen in the last year was was a, an improvement I think from our side in how we communicated the information that we'd taken the feedback we'd received and, and then actioned it um, because quite often we listened and we actioned and we didn't tell anybody that we'd listened and actioned. We just, like I said, got on with it. Um, so I think that's been one of the big changes that, that we've seen, probably why we've seen such a, a large rise up the table in the last year. So what's particularly interesting is, um, is that, and I'm not going to harp on about it, but it's not been a great season on the pitch. Um, and, for you to con for you to continue to improve and you know quite spectacularly improve when it comes to the um, the levels of engagement and the li the listening I like you know it's a word I really like is that it's a lot of it is about just opening your ears and listening to what people have got to say to you and you'll find out a lot that way. Um, you've got on you've got on with that you carried on doing it and it's sort of well, you know it, it it's. I don't think it's as hard sometimes as as some people like to pretend it is. I, and it's sort of, it seems to me, looking at what you're doing at Rovers, you're, you, you're, you're a club that's a work in progress from where I sit. And I look at it and think, I think, you know, if anyone cares to look, it wasn't always a very happy place, Rovers, for a long time. And so if anyone was going to come in and start changing it, they had to 
be sympathetic. They had to be thoughtful. And they most of all had to just hear what the fans had to say to them. And it didn't mean that you were going to suddenly start um, delivering amazing improvements because, you know, everywhere, because in, because there's always this resource and infrastructure issue. And obviously everything comes down to resource in the end. Can you spend the money, the time? Time's often the biggest challenge, isn't it? Even if you've got the money, it can be about fitting it into the, the programme of games and things like that. If it's through renovations. Um, but, but, you know, to, to be able to remain, you know, to be able to remain focused on delivering that part of it for people who are in similar positions to you, um, you know, because you are these days as well on the board of directors, you're, 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 um, you, you know, you're, you're, you're director, a director level position. Um, is it, is it, uh, is it something that you've been able to do because you've been focused on the operations in the business you've been able to you're you'll be involved in, in more general decisions around things like management and coaching i'm sure because you're on the board but is this a lot to do with you being able to just get on with delivering with what you're there to do and not getting drawn into um sometimes a soap opera of the playing side which can be you know can be a real drain on people yeah, I mean, ultimately, anybody who works in football knows that um, we can control large aspects of the business, but we can't control what happens on the pitch for that ninety minutes on a Saturday or a Tuesday night or whenever it might be. Uh, we've had a really tough season on the pitch for a variety of reasons, and uh, that does impact the way that we operate off it. Um, but I think one thing we've tried to do throughout is continue to communicate. We're not looking to hide away from from those issues uh, and I, I think it's also really important for people and supporters in particular to know that we feel those same emotions when we're losing games when we're struggling on the pitch when things aren't going quite right uh, we share that frustration and, and anger and disappointment and all the, the cocktail of emotions that fans go through supporting supporting us week in week out we feel those too sometimes even more intensely because it affects affects the way that you you operate um so yeah i mean i think i think that's a really important part we've we've while who's, who's the owner who's, who's been brilliant support and has effectively guided the club through this pandemic has has taken that same mantra on and and he's he's always open he's always approachable and he's written regular letters throughout the season to supporters where he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve and tells them exactly how he's feeling i think that's a really important um, important way for him to communicate and it it allows people to to humanize him and see him as a an actual person doing his best for the football club as opposed to uh, just an owner that's up up on a pedestal that people can throw sticks at and and uh, and criticize so um yeah, i think communication's been the key for us this year we've tried to communicate with supporters all the way through there's been lots of changes uh, particularly in terms of the football side but we've we've tried to be as open and honest as we can uh, throughout that process and let people know uh, kind of where we are what the strategy is the fact that that kind of our core aspirations remain and um and yeah i think that's resonated with fans despite the the struggles that we've had on the pitch hi i just want to take a quick moment to tell you about match day digital the world's first football first digital magazine platform bringing together premium paid content from clubs match day programs popular football magazines newspapers and high quality fan produced fanzines it's quite the list uh, match day digital brings 
football content and supporters together in a single app which allows clubs and other publishers to deliver their content to a much wider audience than they would through their own print or digital sites and apps all especially relevant obviously during this covid era you can download the app on google play and apple store go to matchdaydigital.co.uk for more and if you're a club drop the fellas over there a line they're really friendly and i'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs yeah th- that there's that that um that sort of fans understanding what the strategy is it's a really hard thing i think to get people to the point where they realize that um, fans are interested in strategy in as much as what they want to know is that there's control over the things that need to be controlled and that can be controlled and I and I look at a club like yours and you're talking about that and I think to myself so you know getting relegated this season and all that kind of stuff and and actually it's it's interesting that the season that Norwich have just had uh, the, the season 29-20 that Norwich finished again in the top 10 they got relegated from the Premier League there were not um, obviously COVID made it more difficult if you wanted to, but there weren't mass protests outside Carrow Road. No one was calling for Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones to resign and sell up. Um, there was some grumbling about not having such a great performance on the pitch and getting relegated, of course, and you would expect that. Um, but there, there wasn't a mass uprising. And the reason for that, as is, I think, the reason that you get that, you know, um, a club like at Brighton, I think, I would say, where you know, um, where they can probably have a less than great season, although they haven't been relegated yet, and and probably come through it in a similar way, is because fans get where things are going. And that's that thing of not turning in on yourself. It's a really important lesson to learn for clubs, isn't it? That seems yeah. to me to be... And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I listened to one of our fans' podcasts the other day and they said that um, although we've been relegated they're not as disappointed as they have been in the past because they know that there's a, a long-term strategy. They know that the owner is dedicated to uh, kind of taking the club on the journey to reach its full potential. Uh, and they know that he's committed to the cause. And I think that, that's something when I heard it, it kind of resonated with me. I'm not sure that would have been said two or three years ago if, if we'd have been relegated. No. Um, but it's a testament to to the journey that, that we've been on and I mean, you just need to look at the season ticket sales so far this season. They've been incredibly strong. We're, we're by far ahead of, of where we would expect to be at this stage in a normal season, never given the fact that we've been relegated and and obviously everything that COVID's brought. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can see, you can start to see the impacts of, of this strategy over the course of the year. So we can say then, when un- undoubtedly, that, um, I mean, at the very least, good good communication, good fan engagement by kind of buys you time, doesn't it? When things aren't so great. Yeah, I think, I think the thing it buys you more is trust. Uh, yeah. and, and I suppose time is one of the byproducts of that. But um, yeah. ultimately now, I mean, despite things that's gone on this year, I think the trust between, I mean, the owner is effectively the, the face of the board and face of the club. And the, he's how the perception of him is how the club is generally perceived with the fans. And I think, that level of trust now is probably as great as, as it's ever been, despite the challenges that we've had on on the pitch. Um, and that's trust that he's doing the right things for the football club. It's trust that uh, we've got a strategy, we've got a plan, we know where we're going. Yes, mistakes have been made, um, particularly on, on the pitch, which has given us a, a difficult season and one that we didn't want. Uh, but that ambition remains that... Uh, um, kind of investment remains and and 
the strategy remains, which is to try and put all the struggles we've had this season behind us and, and bounce back as quickly as possible. So, yeah, the sort of, I suppose the thing that in the in the long term, um, like you know, developing infrastructure, you know, either you know, stadium infrastructure or playing infrastructure with your training ground and that kind of stuff. All of the things you're doing, um, those, you know, for you to kind of succeed long term as a football club, you need to make sure that that culture remains and is kind of, you know, the, the word I use, I mean, instead of talking about governance too much, because it's a, a very weighty term and I'm not a big fan of it either, but that's one of the parts of that we measure in the fan engagement index is, is what we talk about is kind of underpinning. So you've got this cultures developed, the leadership is there two of the key parts, aspects of any successful club anywhere, I think, in any part of the, you know, in any part of the football club business, let alone fan engagement, the leadership and culture are absolutely critical. Longer term, you, it's a good thing to have something that kind of guarantees that. Now, you've got, not a lot of people realise that you've got a supporters organisation. It's not a supporters trust, but it kind of performs a similar role. It's a shareholding group. How important in the future, or as things go on, does that, you know, because that's, a, you know, the fans having some financial investment, if you like, it's, you know, it's much more of an emotional investment, it's represented by a financial investment. Does that, does that help as well, that you've, that you've got that alongside having all of these, um, you know, if you like, cultural things and the leadership of, and you're demonstrating that this matters all the time, and you're demonstrating you're listening, does the things like that, have an important role in a club? Yeah, I mean, uh, it would be very easy for um, for somebody like Wilde, who's owning the football club, to, to take over the full shareholding and, and own 100% of the football club. Um, that's within his means and, and has happened at other clubs elsewhere, but he's keen to, to retain fan ownership as part of the model. Um, that ultimately gives supporters the opportunity to have an impact and an input into how the clubs run. And obviously part of that process is the provision for fans to, or the sports club to have uh, fan representation on the board. So um, that's something that's still in place and will be a key part as we move forward. But I don't think it necessarily is a is a 100% requirement for clubs as long as that fan voice is still being heard. Um, and it's still being presented to the board and still being actioned upon at board level. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I think obviously where, where we're at at the moment is that um, fans own a, a percentage of the football club um, and they've, yeah, like I said, got, got the opportunity to have supporters on the board and, and have a say at, at board level, which is really important. That's the bit that's, that's the bit that for me is key is that, that it's not just that you're good at listening and not just that, um, uh, you know, um, that that's how the club's geared it's it's then about you know how does that actually manifest itself if if Tom Gorringe tomorrow decides he wants to move on to another club what's going to make sure that those things don't just disappear if the owner decides as one day will happen you know if the owner is no longer there you know what I suppose I've always said and you know, this is me saying it that that fan representation or some some form of direct input into board meetings in that way either like Millwall have had or like you do at Bristol Rovers or you know lots of other clubs like Lincoln and Carlisle have is it does guarantee that when you're making those financial and operational decisions you have got that presence there and you're going right okay we do need to always make sure that that is do you know what I mean that that's kind of yeah that, there, there is a, a legacy to it I mean 
ultimately one of the, the byproducts of of the trust that we discussed earlier is that there's there's less of a requirement for that at this stage because that trust exists and there's mm. nothing too controversial going on but um like I say the the legacy of fans having a share of the club and having a voice is really important mm. uh, and it's important that 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 privilege is is used and is used effectively to have a, a strong working relationship on on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. No rights and responsibilities on both sides. Fans. And yeah, fans. and ultimately, everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants the football club to be successful. Everybody wants the club to to reach its true potential and to continue to improve in all areas. And and although at certain times there may be differences of opinions as to how that's that's achieved. Uh, the end goal is is the same, and and having that open conversation is is a really important part of the process. So, Tom, just to kind of round up, if there's is is this, you know, we 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 talked about it, and we kind of we didn't. Well, I didn't ask you for a sort of top three, and I'm a little bit um, reticent about asking you for for things like that because I don't think engagement is about. <laughs> don't think getting good fan engagement in place, and being being a club that performs as well as you you did this year. And showed that level of improvement externally to everyone um, is you know don't don't think it's solved by one thing but but if there was you know if there are a couple of sort of are there are a couple of technical things you know things that that are, that a club you know if I'm a club you know down down right down towards the bottom you know there is a temptation either to, to hide or to kind of grasp onto one thing um, but but are there you know are there are a couple of things that you would say if someone in your position who wanted to and was able to, you know, affect change and, and create this environment you've now got at Bristol Rovers, what would be a couple of things that you would you would advise? Um, well, I, I think you can probably break it down into three simple points if we're looking to to kind of uh, communicate it to people in a, in a way that everybody can understand. I think the three the three most important factors are, like we said at the start, to listen. Um, so to provide the opportunities for fans to to give their feedback, be that via fans forums, surveys, um, just naturally through a, a kind of generic inbox in, on the club's website, um, to have the provisions in place for fans to provide feedback, I think is really important. Once that feedback's been received, it's important that it's acted upon. Um, even if it's something that isn't possible, that person is, is aware of the reasons why. And that kind of falls onto the third point, which for me is to communicate. And that's that's not to just communicate um, all the things you have done, but sometimes the things you haven't and explain the rationale why. Um, like I said, just just now, everything that we do is, is to try and make the club better. And there'll be some things that fans feedback that aren't possible because of infrastructure, because of uh, numerous things that, that may be out of our control. And so to communicate that and for people to realise that we are still listening, even when there's things that we can't act upon and hopefully understanding the rationale why we can't do those things, I think is really important. 